Do you know what to do when you pray? There you go. You put your hands together, don't you? And we say a prayer in church every week called the Lord's Prayer. Have you heard of the Lord's Prayer? Yeah. Do you know it all by heart? It's a long prayer. Yeah, it's a long prayer. We're going to learn part of it today, okay? We're going to rehearse part of it. And while we're doing that, we'll keep our hands folded because it is the Lord's Prayer. And Jesus is the one who taught us this prayer. And I want to talk especially about the last sentence. We're going to do not, not even the first half of the prayer, but we're going to just think about what it means. So the Lord's Prayer begins, Our Father in Heaven. Can you say that much with me? Let's say that much. Our Father in Heaven. So remember that we're talking to God who's in Heaven and He's listening to us because we're Christians. We have faith in Jesus in our heart and God hears the prayers of all believers. So after we say Our Father in Heaven, we say a strange sentence. We say, Hallowed be your name. Will you say that with me? Hallowed be your name. Now that doesn't mean that God's name is hollow, but hallowed means holy, or let's use a different word. Can we say special? Special. Your name, O oh God, is special. And so we want to use it for special reasons, like telling other people about God and praying to Him. And let's say that much so far. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, which means we want God to gather believers like us. And then the last thing I want to talk about today is that we also say the, the, another strange sentence, your will be done. And the word will there is what God wants. It's God's intentions, his desires, his wishes, God's will. And we want what God wants for us to have happen. And we're going to talk about that quite a bit more in the sermon. But we want what God wants for us to be ours. And so let's say that whole, it's the whole, it's about the first third of the prayer. Let's just say that together and then we'll end with an amen. Okay? Let's say that together. And congregation, please join us. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. And one more phrase, on earth as in heaven. Amen. Please rise for the gospel. The holy gospel for the fifth Sunday in Epiphany is recorded in the gospel of Luke chapter 5, beginning at the 12th verse. While Jesus was in one of the towns... A man came along who was covered with leprosy. When he saw Jesus, he fell with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. Then Jesus ordered him, don't tell anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Yet the news about him spread all the more, so that crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. This is the gospel of our Lord. 
Please be seated. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord, our Savior Jesus Christ, my dear brothers and sisters in Christ. So this man covered in leprosy comes to see Jesus, and he is ceremonially unclean. To be ceremonially clean in the Scriptures is is to be clean in the sense that it doesn't have anything to do really with soap and water or deodorant or a comb or a brush, but rather a person who is intact, whole, part of God's family, and also not bleeding in any way, because a person, even an Israelite, with a bleeding wound could not come to make an offering, even a thanksgiving offering, and certainly not a sacrifice, for their own sinfulness, they could not participate in the ceremonies. And therefore they are called ceremonially unclean. And with most Israelites, if they were unclean for a time, such as just after a woman had a baby, there would be a a time interval and then she would be ceremonially clean once again. But in the case of leprosy, which was a matter of any number of skin diseases in in the scriptures, maybe a little bit different, maybe some of them not as severe as what we know today, some of them far more severe than what we know today. But in the case of leprosy, God was especially specific and clear in the law of Moses. Lepers were forbidden, absolutely forbidden, from approaching the Lord in his temple. If you're a confirmation student taking notes um, and you've got that little card out, uh, uh, I've got four blanks next about what are the different separations of, of, uh, of the, the leper from God. And, and the first one, of course, is they couldn't bring an offering to the temple. The second one is they could not even make an offering or a sacrifice for sin. And imagine if you were forbidden from doing that then they couldn't even live with their own family or have contact with them. And if if that weren't bad enough, the, the fourth one is they couldn't come into contact with any other people at all apart from other lepers. Well, this man shows right away that he has faith in Jesus If you are willing, he says, you can make me clean. And the real question in this text is, what does it mean to be willing? This is the heart of the doctrine of the will of God. The holy will of God, which I was attempting to teach our three-year-olds a minute ago. Um, the, The holy will of God is his intention and desire and purpose for his creation, especially the crown of his creation, which is mankind. Uh, His intention for our good and for the good and for the advancement of his church. So consider what this leper was saying when he said, if you are willing. That is to say, if this is your holy, divine will, O Lord Jesus. On the one hand, this man was 
praying, asking that God would heal him, that Jesus would heal him, but only if he was willing. If the Lord was not willing, that is, if it did not form a part of God's holy will and purpose for his life, this leper was saying that he would happily remain suffering in his agonizing leprosy for the rest of his life, uh, even up to the point of his excruciating death. Why? Because it was the will of God. This man would never have said, it would never have occurred to him to have said something like, if you are able, as if Jesus might not be able to cure him. Of course Jesus could cure him. The man only says, if you are willing. These are the very same words used by Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane when Jesus goes to pray to the Father about the terrible cup of suffering that had been handed to him. And he's praying about the cup. If I might not have to drink it, he is saying, but not my will. Father, but your will be done. That's precisely the language this leper uses. If you are willing. Well, we must say the same thing when we pray. Not that God will conform to our will or that he would bend to our desire, but that he would do and accomplish everything according to his will, his desire, his good purpose in our life. This might mean that like Jesus, we would be subject to God the Father saying no to one or the other request. But no was not the answer that Jesus gave to this leper. He said, I am willing, or to be more doctrinally accurate, it is part of my holy and gracious will that you would be clean. And so Jesus said, be clean. And Jesus touched the man. Now he doesn't touch him because his touch was required for the, for the miracle to take place. Jesus touched the man simply to demonstrate that from that moment, the man was no longer a leper. He was healed. Because if leprosy, or a man with leprosy, cannot come into contact with God, then for God to touch the man must mean that his leprosy is gone. Throughout his earthly ministry, Jesus shows this kind of thing with many people, not everyone, but many of the people that he healed, he also touched. And in almost every case, it's, it must be for the benefit of the individual so that they will know that this has come from God to them. People who were blind, who were deaf, who were mute, who were crippled, who were bleeding, who were demon-possessed, who were covered in leprosy, and even those who were dead. Jesus touched them to show that they were healed, that they were clean, that they were no longer demon-possessed, that they were no longer dead. The cleansing of this man also did not depend on his faith. And on that point, 
We must spend time and be absolutely clear what that means because he is healed as we are healed of our sins, not on account of our faith, but on account of the power and the will of Jesus in whom we put our faith. In fact, in the chapter before this, in Luke chapter 4, Jesus heals a man who is possessed by a demon, and there is a man who is not exhibiting any part of faith, and yet is cleansed, is healed. The demon is driven out by Jesus for the sake of that man, which is truly how we are all healed and cleansed of our sins. Not on account of anything we do, or merit, or deserve, but because Christ is compassionate and loving. In this miracle, consider how the leprosy covered the man. It's very specifically commented on by Luke, our author, who was a physician who had diagnosed leprosy and described it to, to, in, to many people. This leprosy that covered this man also kept him from True, the true God from true worship and even came between him and the forgiveness of sins and the sacrifices made in the Old Testament worship for this. This particular man, however, understood Jesus, understood his relationship with Jesus and was not fearful of his sinfulness, but knew that if Jesus wanted it, if he willed it, he could be cleansed. So he was not terrified by his sins because clearly he put his trust in Jesus as Lord. But this wasn't understood by everyone in Jesus' time. And so understand the similarity between the man's leprosy and our being covered by sinfulness. Our sins separate us from God. Our sins make us unclean unworthy, unapproaching of a, a, a God, and, and only in Christ is there cleansing from our sins. After Jesus healed this man, he told him to go and show himself to the priests. That's what the Levitical law required. Go and show yourself. The priests had no jurisdiction over leprosy. They couldn't cleanse the man or heal him. No, they could only examine him and declare, yes, indeed, you are clear of your leprosy. There was even a two-week period, a little waiting period. Let's find out about this. But the role of the Old Testament priesthood was to be a type of Christ, to point ahead to Christ, not to ever do the work of Christ. Only Jesus could and truly did heal us of our sins. His perfect sacrifice cleanses us from all sin. Now Jesus asks this man not to tell anybody about this, but only to go and show himself to the priests. The, the miracles and the teaching and even just the attitude of Jesus infuriated and, 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 made, and created jealousy among the leaders of the, of the people, especially the priests and the teachers of the law and the Pharisees and others. And rather than stir all of that up at this time, early in his ministry, Jesus wanted the man just to go quietly and do what the law required, which was show himself to the priest and then make the, the joyful and appropriate offerings and sacrifices of praise to God. But Luke says, yet, <laughs> a very particular word, yet, 
news about him spread all the more. The yet tells us that despite Jesus' mandate, the command of God, and despite the leper's obedience to that command, news about Jesus spread. Well, I think that was inevitable. Leprosy was common in Old Testament times. It was common in New Testament times. But in the Old Testament, you think of individuals like King Uzziah, for example, mentioned in the opening verses of the prophet Isaiah. In King, King Uzziah was struck with leprosy, and, and, uh, and others were struck with leprosy, but very few were ever healed. I can only think of two. Naaman the Syrian, in the days of the prophet Elisha, and then also Moses' sister, Miriam, for about a minute and a half, had leprosy because of a, of a little mini-rebellion. And, and they were healed of that. But in New Testament times, can you imagine being a priest in the temple and having this sort of endless stream of healed lepers pouring into the temple? There was even a court in the temple called the Court of the Lepers where priests would have to go in and... and, uh, and, 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 and and, uh, and examine people who thought they were cured of their leprosy. And they kept coming, and they kept coming, and they kept coming for three years. These cured lepers were showing up, and I can imagine the priests saying, oh, another, well, Gary, you go this time. Or well, I don't know if how many priests were named Gary, but, uh, but, but there they were. And, 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 and then news would get around. Another one has been cleansed, and the news about this man's cleansing got around. But the crowds came looking for Jesus to hear him and to be healed by him. Luther says that this gospel account is the beginning, middle, and end of everything good and of all salvation. How is that? Because it shows us that in Jesus alone is all goodness, all love, all compassion, all grace. That can't be said about anybody else. If that could be said about anybody else, then there would be no longer this gospel. For the gospel builds up our faith and our confidence in Christ alone as the rock of our salvation. So this gospel also teaches us the difference between being saved by faith and the false doctrine of salvation by works or of self-worthiness the leper was willing to remain in his terrible leprosy if that had been the will of Christ. But the will of Christ was to be compassionate, where this service gets its theme from. And in his compassion, Jesus saved this man. The man didn't save himself. There was nothing in him that was good, worthy, worthy enough he was covered in leprosy the way that you and I are covered in our sin. But Jesus spoke. Jesus willed. And the man was healed. So also Jesus spoke. It is finished. Jesus willed. And we are saved. This gospel lesson also teaches us to be content with our place in life. If God wills that I be who I am, that I have perhaps the struggles that I have or that you have, then it must be according to his plan and his will that I endure these things for his glory. 
So praise God for giving us the blessings that He gives, but also for the trials that He gives. Because the trials and the tests and, yes, perhaps even the tragedies that He gives to you and me, He gives because He loves us. Because that is His holy will. And so we thank Him. We keep praying to Him. And we keep on saying, not my will, but your will be done. Not my will, but your will be done. Amen. Um, rather than a stewardship message or encouragement this morning, I simply have this stewardship prayer. Let us pray. Gracious God, all that we have comes from you, body and mind, strength and intelligence, time and abilities, energy and possessions. Guard us from the temptation to use these gifts only for our personal benefit. Make us willing to use them joyfully in service to you and all people. Amen.